Well, I just want to say, as your pastor and proud of these men that went, I thought we were well represented for our church in Covington here. And, uh, you know, I think if you did the average of, of men that was, that was represented from each of the pastors that were there, uh, we, we had a good attendance, I think, from Covington, so I was real pleased with that. I also want to say that Lee and Antoine both did workshops. They, they have main sessions where guys spoke to the whole uh, conference, but then we did a thing where you could pick a track or pick a subject or, or a, a title or whatever, and a topic, and uh, go to that workshop. And, um, you know, I'm not just saying this because it's Lee, but I'm telling you, Lee, and even Wayne said it, Lee, Lee blew it out the water. I mean, it was just an excellent thing that he did. And every one of them, all the guys that did it, they had this young guy, Jason Tucker. He's the, uh, he's the youth pastor in Chalmette. And I'm just sitting back because, you know, as a pastor, I'm looking at young men. And I'm like, you know, you think, you know, the devil's lying to you. Nobody wants Jesus. Young men don't love God. And here you got this young man, Jason. I mean, I don't know how old he's got to be in his 20s, I guess, late, late 20s. And he's just full of love, just such a, he had such a good disposition. He was so humble and broken and just spoke with such wisdom. And it was just beautiful just to sit back. And I'm like, he's one of our guys in our, you know, part of our ministry. And I was proud of that. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to hear Antoine, but I know he did a fabulous job. So I was proud that, that Pastor Keith tries to get other men plugged in and included into what, you know, what we're doing. So next year, they've already announced this, and, and you know, I'll just get this out now. And, you know, I, I actually enjoy it more when we go out of town. I mean, you, you go out of town, you're in a hotel room, it's just the guys, you're cutting up, you're having a great time. And uh, so I, I would just say now, it's always going to be in October, we'll, 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 not, we'll announce it as it gets closer, but, you know, just start putting money aside now. When I worked at New Light, when I was working across the lake in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the secular world, every, when they would, they would pass the calendars out in January or December, whatever it was for the following year, and I would circle that, that weekend. I was just like, this is, I, I'm going to go to that. And so I just made it, a, made it a point to do that. And like Lee said, we've been going since it was in Pittsburgh, and it's going to be in Crown Point next year. And so I would just say, you know, put the money aside and, you know, you know, if you made an effort to do something else, you'd save enough money to go on it, you could do this. You know, if you really said this is a priority for me, we could make it happen. And, uh, but I was real proud of the guys here that came, and um, so that was exciting. So, so praise God. Well, I'm going to preach now. And, uh, but I just want to start off with reading Ephesians 3.20. It says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And God wants to do more than we can even ask or imagine. I think sometimes we forget that as believers, that maybe we don't want, want it, but God wants to do more. God, more than we, we, we can ever hope, think, or imagine, the Bible tells us. And what an amazing promise that God gives us in the Bible and, you know, a lot of us, we can quote that scripture, and another translation does say, you know, more than you can hope or imagine, and we can quote that, and we, we love the way that sounds, but as a believer, do we really believe that? Have we really received and accepted the truth of what that says? And um, are we expecting God to do more than we can imagine, or are we satisfied with where we're at? Not satisfied with Jesus. I, I'm satisfied with Jesus. Jesus has done everything he can do for me. 
But am I, but am I satisfied with what he can give us and do for us? Am I satisfied? See, I'm constantly looking for more. I want the fullness and the abundant life that Jesus promised me, and so should you. We, want, we should want the fullness and the abundance of what Christ has promises us. So Christians, I believe, unknowingly can feel guilty to ask God for more. Maybe it's because of our past sin, our past mistakes. We feel unworthy. Maybe we feel like if we're asking God to give us more, it's telling him that what he's already given us is not enough. I think there's a lot of different things, but I think a lot of us sometimes feel guilty or even ashamed to go before God and to ask God to give us more and to do, and to do, and to do more for us. Yet the Bible says, and this is just a few passages, I could have read from Genesis to Revelation what the Bible says about God wanting to do more, but I just picked these few scriptures here. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In Psalms 2, 8, it says, Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Matthew 21, it says, And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So what's the common denominator in all of those scriptures that I just read? Ask. God, the Bible has given us God's invitation to go before him and ask him to do more for us. That, that's God's desire. It, that, that's, that's his invitation. He's inviting us to come to him and ask him to do more for us. But maybe we're not receiving because we're not asking for more. We, we've just settled. We've just settled, and that's a lot of what the conference was about, that, that don't settle. Expect God to do more. Expect God to do more than what he's doing for us. So I have a message to you today from the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God has given the increase, so that neither the planter is anything nor the waterer, but God the giver of the increase. And I titled the message, God is the giver of the increase. God is the giver of the increase. See, reading, if you read the Bible, you will discover that it's God's nature to increase. That, that's God, that's it. It's almost like it's built into God's DNA that God's nature is to increase, to grow, to multiply. That, that, that's, that's in God's, it's in God's makeup. And, and if you look at the Bible, and, and we can look at that, it, God had, had multiplication built in in the natural realm, in the, in the natural world. And in Genesis 1, uh, verses 20 and 22, God, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. So we see here when God was creating creatures, God said, Let the water teem with living waters. Or other translations for teem use the word swarm or be filled or bring forth abundantly. In other words, even in God's natural creative order, God was creating things to multiply and increase. And in other words, there, there's no limit. There, there was no limit to God. It's just fill, fill the earth, fill the seas. So, so God, God, God's design was to increase. And then for mankind in Genesis 1, 
Verses 27 and 28, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to be fruitful and increase. God's, God's design or desire is not for little. God wants more. God wants increase. He wants fullness. He wants abundance. He wants more, more than we can ever hope or imagine. Just, just as the Bible says, God's creative nature is to increase. It, it, in other words, there's no limit with God. It's a, it's a constant growing, a constant multiplying, a constant increasing. And then for God's people, if you read the, the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham. This is when God had told Abraham to go sacrifice um, Isaac, which was the promise. God had promised uh, Abraham a son. Abraham and, and Sarah had a son. And what did God ask Abraham to do? To go sacrifice the son that God gave him. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God told Abraham, I will make your descendants as numerous as the sands of the seashore and the stars in the sky. Now, the stars in the sky, a lot of times for me, it's hard to imagine being numerous because a lot of times where we live, it's hard to really look in the sky and just see the fullness. We have a lot of light, you know, diff, you know light that we have created here. And you look in the sky and you can't really see. But I know there's, there's billions probably of stars up there. But when the Bible says the sands on the seashore, I can identify with that. That's a, that's a lot. When it, when, it, when it says the sands and the shoes, God told Abraham that you were going to increase. Now, we know that God was also proclaiming the gospel in advance when he told Abraham that you and your descendants, that through you off, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have been. He was talking about us. Right. What does the Bible say? Abraham was the father of faith, right. that we too are blessed because just as Abraham placed his faith in God, so too we Place our faith in Jesus Christ. We, we, are, we are multiplying. So today I want you and I to do a, a, a mind shift in our thinking and to quit, looking, to quit looking at what we lack and begin to see what God can increase and multiply. Because if you're like me, a lot of times all I see is what I don't have. Right? We, 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 we focus on what we don't have and God is trying to show us what he wants to give us. And he wants to increase. So we gotta do, we gotta do a mind, we gotta do a mind shift. But sin, I believe, has warped God's design for increase. And I'm gonna show you some examples of this. We live in a world that is constantly telling us we'll never have enough. When God tells me he will supply all my needs. But see, ever since I was younger, my wife and I was just talking about this recently. I remember when I was a teenager, the world was telling me we were gonna run out of oil. Do you remember that? If, you was, if you're as old as me, you remember that. We're going to run out of oil. And the older I got, guess what happened? They kept discovering more. And, 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 and not only were they, were they discovering more, they were saying, you know what? We got so much, we can't see when we're ever going to run out of this. But the world's mindset is lack. It's not enough. 
It's, not, not, it's, not, it's never going to be enough. That, that's the world's mindset. It's a, lack, it's a mentality of lack in finances, lack in property, lack in food, lack in shelter, lack in natural resources, oil and gas. The world, I believe, is set up to, to, to dismantle God's creative design for increase. And, they want, and, and, and if we're not careful as a church, God will come against us. I mean, the world will come against us and God's design for that. So this is, an, this is just one example of the world coming against God's design for increase. God told Adam and Eve what? To be fruitful and multiply. There was no limit. God didn't say, well, have three kids or four kids or 50 kids or five kids. Be fruitful and multiply and increase. But the world has come against, I believe, knowingly or unknowingly, against God's creative design for multiplication in the family. Think about this. The world has redefined marriage. They, they've actually, the, the, the definition of marriage is defined, we get the definition of marriage from the Bible. The world doesn't give us the definition, God does. And the Bible says that marriage is between one man and one woman. Why? Because when a man and a woman comes together, what happens? Multiplication. We reproduce. But what have they said is marriage now? What's the new definition? Whatever you want it to be. Two men, two women, whatever. Well, guess what? That doesn't multiply. It's a direct attack on God's design for the family. And what's the next thing the world has done? The world has devalued the role of a mother. They have made it look like mothers are not important. They're not valuable. They they don't count. go Go get a secular job. Go become a lawyer, some big executive in some business. But if you're a mother, you, you, you're thinking of less. When I think motherhood is the most important job on the planet. That a mother would say, I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to stay home and spend time with my children if I'm, if I'm able to do so and, and spend and, and, and invest into these lives that are going to one day grow up and be adults in this world. What greater job is that? But what has the world done? They've devalued mothers. And then look at this, abortion. What does abortion do? Abortion eliminates the seed. There's no, we can't multiply without children. So what does abortion do? It just comes right at, right at God's seed, the, the, the womb, and, it, and attacks the baby in the womb. The world's mindset, and if you think about this, listen to media, and even maybe your family and your friends, what are they always saying? I'm lacking. I'll never have enough. I'm going to run out. Uh, and, and, and God's always saying, I want to increase. <laughs> I want to multiply. I want to do more. But the world's always coming, coming against that. It's, it's, it's a constant attack. And I believe as believers, we are in a battle with the mentality, even for us, that I don't have enough and I'll never have enough. And God wants to erase that from our thinking because that's not a believer's mentality. That's not who we were created to be in Christ. God, God, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life what? Abundantly, to the full. God, God said when the, when the, on the day of Pentecost, what did God say? I will pour out my Holy Spirit on you. What did God say? I will open up the windows of heaven and give you a blessing that you can't even contain. God is a God of increase. Okay, so we got to begin to do a shift in our minds and begin to look at God as the God of increase. So what steps can I take in my life to open the doors of increase. In other words, i got to begin to look at my life and say, what can I do to, to look at myself and say, what can I, what, how can I change my thinking 
to allow God to show me ways that he wants to increase, bring an increase in my life. So the Lord led me to this passage here in John chapter 6. It says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy food for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Then Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had, when they had all had enough, and I told Lori, I said, I thought that was wrong when I read that. And of course, y'all know how good I am with grammar. I'm a perfect, ex I'm, a good, I'm an English expert. So when I looked at that, I said, I must have copied and pasted that wrong when I did the scripture. So I went back and looked online again to make sure it didn't. It says, when they had all had enough to eat, and now Sister Beryl will confirm, that's, that's got to be right. That's, what, that's how it's written in the Bible. I thought it would have said, when, when they all had enough to eat. But Laura said, no, that was the right way. When, when they had all had enough to eat, he said this. It just didn't sound right to me when I was reading it. He said this to his disciples. Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, obviously, this passage is extremely familiar to most of us who, who are students of the Bible. Uh, John is not the only place where this, um, this passage is mentioned. I think it's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And um, there's actually different accounts where Jesus had multiplied, but, but this, this is one of the more familiar passages. But um, uh, I believe this passage will give us insight into God as the giver of the increase. And, um, but I want to say this before I begin to kind of break this passage down a little bit, that this message is not only for monetary increase, because, a matter of fact, I want that to kind of be the last thing you're thinking about right now. Because what's the first thing we think about when we think of increase? Money. And that's not wrong to think about that. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about God increasing a lot of other things other than money. And, and I believe we, we need to desire way more. So that, that may be something that, that you desire. But I would just ask you in your mind, as I'm, as I'm speaking here, to kind of put the, the, the monetary port maybe to the back, and allow God to begin to show you some other things in your life that maybe God wants to bring an increase. The book of Proverbs talks about an increase of learning, the, the, the Bible says. Um, an increase of words, Proverbs says. Second Thessalonians says your faith, your faith is growing and your love is increasing. How many people wouldn't want, to, want God to increase their love? I, I want that. I, I'm, I'm not where I need to be with that. I know, I know I'm not. So there's a lot of other things the Bible talks about um, other than monetary things that we need to increase, that we need to ask God to increase. So, so let's break this passage down that Jesus was talking to with his disciples here. And the first thing I want to say is this, is that we need to quit telling God what you don't have. Quit, quit telling God what you don't have. The Bible says that Jesus was testing them, and it was interesting here, and I, I love when Jesus does this, he, he knew what he was about to do. 
Yet he asked the disciples, he, he, he asked the disciples, he said, where shall we buy enough for these people to eat? And he knew what one of them was going to say, or at least one or two of them was going to step up and answer this. Christ understood that they, that they were going to say this. And Philip's first instinct was to tell God what he didn't have. What was the first thing Philip thought about? How much is this going to cost? That's the first thing we would have thought about. I don't know. It says, it says there were 5,000. Now, the, the, the Bible specifically says 5,000 men. Okay, men. So that means there was also women and children. So there was, there's potentially close to 10,000 people here, possibly. So even, even today, if that was something we were confronted with, we would be bewildered to think where in the... I don't, I'm not going to be able to do that. And, and that, that was his first go-to. Was I don't, he told Jesus there was not enough money. Moses told the Lord, what did Moses tell God when God approached Moses to go uh, to rescue the people of uh, Israel out of Egypt? Moses told, Pharaoh's not going to believe me. And then Moses told the Lord, I, I can't speak. See, like Moses, when God is asking us to do something for him, we tell him what we don't have. Well, I got, this may surprise you when I say this. God already knows what you don't have before he asks you to do anything for him. In other words, when God approaches you and asks us to do something for him, God already knows what you don't have. You don't need to tell him what you don't have. He already knows. He's not surprised. It's not, it's not a surprise. Maybe he's deliberately asking you to do something beyond your ability so the glory would rest on him and not on you. How about that? See, because if it, was, if it was based on our ability, then who would get the glory? David would. But if God chooses to do something, then somebody that somebody's looking at you and says, you know what, I don't know how in the world, that, that's just, that's impossible. Guess who gets the glory? God does. God gets the glory for that. See, God's ability to give you an increase is not based on what you lack. I'm going to say that again. God's ability to give you an increase is not based on what you lack. See, as a pastor, I'm constantly asking God to give me more. In the natural, my first go-to um, is to say what I don't have. You know, I want more salvations. I, I want more people, you know, coming into this building, more, more guests, more, more unbelievers, more, more people who need the, 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 the love of God and the presence of God in, in their lives. And I want more knowledge. I want more understanding. So, um, but every time we go to God with something that, 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 we, that, that we don't have, that, that, we, that we believe God for, we always tell God what we don't have, what we lack. That's always our first go-to. And um, so we, we were really challenged at the, at the Bob conference to give, to give God more. In other words, don't look at us and say, I don't have more, give, to give God more. And, and uh, Pastor Keith Hodges really kind of closed it up Saturday before we left and was just really compelling the guys to give God more of ourselves in prayer and in devotion, and in Bible study, and sharing the gospel. And you know, many times when God challenges us in this way, we begin to think, I don't have enough, and you just fill in the blank. I don't have enough. You know, if God says you need to pray more, well, I don't have enough time. You need to read more. I, I don't like reading. Or you just, All these different excuses that we give God when God challenges us to do more. So what is it you, what is it you believe God wants to increase in your life? All of us in here can think of, I can think of a dozen things 
But, but think, of, think of the things in your life. What is it you believe that God wants to increase in your life? And what have you told him you lack that's preventing you from receiving the increase? What, what is it that you've told God? Gideon told the Lord when God, when God told Gideon to go, rescue, to go rescue Israel out of the hands of the Midianites, guess what? Gideon said, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm the least. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the le- I'm the smallest. I'm in the least tribe. God already knew that. God chose Gideon to go rescue the Israelites. God knew who he was choosing. Gideon asked God, why are you picking on me? See, we too can answer. We can say my past mistakes, my lack of education, my poor family home and environment, and on and on and on and on, we have, we, we have excuses. But Philip answered him, and I love this, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. In other words, he made sure he told Jesus. He, made, see, he, he was instructing Jesus. And he made sure he told him that Jesus, I just want to let you know, even if we were able to get this much wages and we were able to go buy the food, every single person is only going to get one bite. That's what, that, that, that's what he thought. But see, if you and I want God to give us an increase of anything in our lives, we need to quit focusing on what we don't have. We have to take our eyes off of what we lack. Look at verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far, I love the word small there. They were small loaves and small fish. But how far will they go among so many? The next thing I want to look at is we need to be willing to give God what you already have. You got to be willing to give God what you already have. See, Andrew's reply was partly right. He was at least willing to give God what he could. He didn't believe that God could do anything with it, but he was at least willing to give God what what he had. But even then, he doubted. See, I believe our increase is tied to our willingness to give God what we already have. I really believe that. That that God is only going to bring an increase when we are willing to sacrifice the things that God has already given us. Then then I believe God's going to add that. And one of the principles of this in the Bible is the principle of tithing. If I'm asking God to increase my income, why would I take from the little that I already have? Think about that. That If if I'm I'm saying, God, and sometimes, and and this is a whole other thing, but sometimes an increase in finances is not necessarily more money. It's more wisdom to understand to do with what the money God has already given you. That could bring an increase right there. So, but if you think tithing doesn't make any sense because I am asking God to give me more and God is telling me to give him from what you say and you don't have enough of. But I've said this behind the pulpit and and I'm not ashamed to say this. God has never failed my wife and I. I'm telling you time after time after time after time, God has blessed us. God God has brought an increase. I'm telling you from places and positions that we never dreamed about. And I can only say that I, I tithed since I was 12 years old. I told you the story, but I tithed a dollar. I was making $10 a week. I tithed a dollar. And I know that God has blessed the tithe, the principle of the tithe. God blesses that, but it doesn't make any sense. But God is asking, asking you to take, the, take what you already have and invest that. And God, God, will, bring, God will bring the increase. So what do you already have to give the Lord? 
You want more knowledge and understanding of scriptures. Give God what you do understand. Give God what you already understand. God asked Moses, what do you have? Moses said, I have a staff. What did God say? Throw the staff down. <laughs> Moses had no idea what he had in his hand. What did the staff do? It became a snake. Amen. Moses didn't know that. Amen. What do you have? I, I got a staff. This is, what, what, what is a staff? Because he was trying to figure out how is he going to convince Pharaoh that, that, God, that I'm sent by God. Throw the staff down. Look at this. I could have preached from this passage right here in 2 Kings. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys and his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small drawer of olive oil. She said, I have nothing, but then she said, except. And a lot of times that's you and I. God might ask us, what do you have? I have nothing. Oh, yeah, but I have this. <laughs> and we think, that we, we, we think that's nothing. And, and look, 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 and if you read the rest of the story, and I, and I love this passage of Scripture here, if you read this, what did Elisha tell her to go do? Go to your neighbors and go gather up empty drawers. And he said, don't just get a few, get many. Get, find, find as many. And guess what happened? Every time they kept bringing an empty drawer, guess what happened? Every one of those drawers was filled to the rim with oil. And guess when the oil stopped? When the drawers ran out. And I'm, I'm still convinced to this day, and, I, I, and I, you could call me crazy, I don't care. If they'd have kept bringing drawers to today, them drawers would have been filled in Jesus' name. I believe that. If the drawers would have kept coming, the drawers would have kept getting filled. I, I know they would. Because God, God has no limitations. Think about this. God is the giver of the increase. There's no limits with God. God has, no, God has no limitations. So you may be asking God to, do, to give you more time, but are you willing to give him the time you already have? You know, and we say, God, I don't have enough time. I, you know, I can tell you, and I remember me and Joey Selena when we were in Chalmette, when we were doing, we were doing cell groups at the time, which is what we're, what we call life groups today, and we used to, we were young, younger then, and we got our kids were smaller and all that, and we, we used to say, how does this work? You know, we both work in full time. We're, we were going to leadership meetings, going to the cell groups, all of that, and we, Joey and I looked at us, how does, how does, in a natural, this doesn't work with time, but guess what God did? He supernaturally multiplied the time. It didn't make any sense in the natural, but we had time to do everything because we invested the time we did have for God. There's a, there's, there's a principle in that, but, but we, we have to look. But listen to this. This is something God really showed me with this. Increase is birth from something that already exists. Did you realize that? Notice what happened when the, when the, when the, when the woman came to Elijah and, and she said, my, my, servant, my, my husband is dead. The creditors are coming. What did Elijah say? Elijah, he, he could have done anything. He, he, he believed God. And God can do anything from nothing. But what did Elijah ask her? What do you already have? There's a principle in increase. The principle is this. You have to be willing to give God what you already have. That God, that God can increase that. So increase is birth from something that already exists. Look at the definition of increase. To become greater or more in size, 
Quantity, number, degree, or value. Intensity, power, authority, reputation, wealth. To grow, to augment, to advance, opposed to decrease. Addition or enlargement in size. See, that's pertaining to something that already exists. Extent, quantity, number, intensity, value, substance, augmentation, growth. Our increase is, God's going to increase what you already have. That, that's what increase means. It's, it's, not, it, it's taken from what God has given us and, and causing that thing to grow or causing that thing to multiply. That was Adam and Eve. God created Adam and Eve, and then what did he say? Increase, multiply, reproduce, grow, fill the earth. That's what God was, that's what God was calling them to do. So what can you give God that he can increase? And some of you might think, well, I don't have anything. Well, all of us have this to give him, ourselves. Amen. There was none of, we're without excuse. Right. At the very minimum, I can tell God, God, you can have me. Right. You can have my heart. Right. You can have me, God. And that's really, if you're a Christian, that should be, that should be like automatic. Like, okay, Jesus is, like Lee was saying, all this, what Christ has done for us, what's the, what's the least I can do? I can sacrifice myself to him. We all have something to give him. And God, God will bring the increase. But I believe it's tied to things that God has already given us. God will increase the things that he has already given us. And then in John chapter 6, it says, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had, had, when they had, when they had all had enough to eat, he said this to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the next thing I want to look at here is Jesus is the Lord of the increase. Jesus is the Lord of the increase. I'd, I'd, I'd love to have seen the face, that, that Philip, Philip's face after Jesus did this. And Philip said, he said, even if we could purchase all this with a half a year's wages, everybody might get one bite. And Jesus multiplied that from no, no wages, and the Bible says they had leftovers. There was leftovers. There was more. What does that tell me? God, God wants to do not just enough, God wants to do more than enough. See, you got to get out of this mentality that God is just going to, God's just enough. He's just, he's just, see, that's a lack, a lack. I'm lacking. No, I'm not lacking. God wants to increase. More, more than we could ever hope, think, or imagine. He wants to do for us. But that's a mind shift. i got to begin to think in that vein and begin to think that that's what it is that God, wants to do, that God wants to do for us. But notice Jesus, as in every situation in the Bible, Jesus never hesitated. He never doubted. He wasn't nervous like, oh... I really kind of stepped out on this one. I, 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 you know, I, I tricked my disciples and I, I knew what they were going to say. We, this ain't going to work. And now I'm not. And, but Jesus never fretted. He never worried. He never doubted. He never feared. Even when he raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he say? He said, God, I'm not doing this because I don't think you can raise Lazarus. I'm doing this so they will know who you are. He never doubted that Lazarus wasn't going to get up out of that tomb. He's Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the God of increase. That's what God wants to do for us. So he took what the deceit, notice what Jesus did. This is a principle of increase. 
he took what was there. Now, he was God. Jesus could have, Jesus could have done it any way he chose to do what he, he took from what was already there. There's a principle in that for you and I to understand that. To quit telling God you lack and allow God to show you what you already have and believe that God can increase what you already have. There's a principle in that. Jesus increased. He said he, he took what was there. It was small. It was little. It was insignificant. Yet God says Jesus multiplied what was there. So I'm going to be bold here this morning. I'm believing God for an increase in every area of your life. I'm, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to say that. that, God, that why? Because God is the God of increase. Yes. He's the God of multiplication. Amen. He's the God of growth. He's the God of more. So I'm, I'm going to say to everybody in this room this morning that God wants to increase every area of your life. Amen. Now, you, you have to be willing to say, you know what? I accept that. <laughs> I believe that. You know, I'm believing that for this church. And the enemy tries to come in and defeat me. And, you know, you look around and you say, what's going on? God is the God of increase. God will take what we have here in Covington and God will multiply. And God will, God will bring more and God will grow from what we have here. I'm receiving that and believing that in Jesus' name. See, some of you need monetary increase. It's not wrong to ask God for that. God is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. That's, that's the name of God. God is your provider. God has no limits. What does the Bible say? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he, he owns all the gold, all the money. God, God owns all of that. It's all his. Others, you need an increase in devotion. This is really what was kind of pounded at the, uh, at the conference. We need an increase in devotion and passion. How about that? Well, I'll, that would be one thing right there. I think everybody could say, God, you know what? I need, I need the passion that Jesus had. The Bible says when he looked out among the people, that they were, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Do I have that same, God, increase, increase my compassion. How about this? My perseverance, my determination, my diligence, my enthusiasm. And others, we need an increase in our relationship to others. And our patience. I need more patience. I need an increase in kindness, in gentleness, in long-suffering, in love. Why would somebody not ask God for more love? It's not wrong. God wants to increase your love for other people. How about joy? Increase my joy, God. And how about peace? What, would you ever tell God, you know what, God, I don't have enough peace. What do you mean you don't have enough peace? I want more peace. I want more joy. I'm believing God for an increase, and I believe you are too. God is the God of increase. I'm just going to ask Eli, if he would, please, to just begin to play that music that you have there. And I'm going to read that scripture verse again in 1 Corinthians this was Paul speaking, and I love this. It says, I have planted, a, this is a principle too for salvation and for souls. Apollos watered, but God has given the increase. They were arguing about who was great. They were following Apollos. One was following Paul. They were following men. And Paul said, no, you don't understand. You, you follow men, but men, men had nothing to do with this. We, we played a part in it, 
But guess who gives the... Ask, ask Dennis Wilbanks what makes something grow. Dennis, Dennis has a faith job. They put something in the ground, and guess what? He's got to believe that whatever he put in that dirt is going to come up. They don't make it grow. They plant it, they water it, they fertilize it, do all those things. Guess who makes that plant grow? God does. Dennis has told me that on several occasions. He knows that God is the one who makes the thing increase. So neither the planter is anything, nor the waterer, but God the giver of the increase. God the giver, I love that. God the giver of the increase. That's what God does. So I'm just going to ask everybody just to stand to your feet. And we're going to pray this morning. And we got a few minutes here. I'm going to, if that's you this morning, just make your way up to the front and say, I want an increase in my life. Everybody in this room needs to have at least one thing, one thing that you can say, I need an increase. And I got, I got hundreds of things.